Well, it's good to be with you guys um, again. Um, and uh, let me say, I'm thrilled that uh, David and Jane Scott are becoming part of your church. I've known them for quite a while, great couple, and I know it'll be a tremendous addition. You guys are building quite a dream team here in the staff, so uh, so they'll, they'll be a great addition to what's going on here at Stonebridge. Um, Understand last week David shared a, a bit about the whole issue of, uh, of following the Spirit and uh, kind of the difference between being driven and, and truly catching the wind of the Spirit and, uh, and allowing the Spirit to, to move us along. I, I want to uh, talk tonight a bit about the whole issue of what is necessary if we're truly going to be led by the Spirit, if we're truly going to follow the Spirit. Because what I find a lot of times there are many believers uh, love Jesus, have opened their lives to the Lord, or their sins are forgiven, but uh, they're not being led by the Spirit. They're not truly following Him. And to me, it's generally because of a couple of reasons, a couple of things that need to happen for, for a person to, to really be led by the Spirit, be carried by the Spirit. So we're going to look at that tonight. And then uh, also I want to uh, share briefly about some of the evidences that we're being led by the Spirit. So um, the scripture I, I want to look at just briefly, and it, the reason I want to look at it because it, it's a story out of the Bible, um, out of the New Testament, in which uh, Paul comes across a group of believers. Now I believe they are believers. I believe they put their faith in Jesus. But he notices they're not expressing the kind of Spirit-led life that he, he always is assuming that he's going to find among believers. So he he starts asking them some questions to find out exactly what's the issue here. Why are they not living this life that he expects in a believer in Jesus Christ, a person who would be led by the Spirit, who would follow the Spirit, be carried by the direction of the Spirit. So this is Acts 19, uh, beginning in verse 1. And I'll just read a, a small portion of this. Uh, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And maybe the better translation of that is this. After you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Or maybe better translated, no, we haven't even heard that Holy Spirit is. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. And so Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, uh, one of the things that's important that we realize as, as believers in Jesus is that uh, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, you couldn't be a believer without the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when we ask Jesus to forgive us, the great work of the Holy Spirit began in that moment when we were born again. That's a miracle, and that miracle can only happen by the power of the Spirit coming within us. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you intentionally ask Him to forgive you of your sins, then the Holy Spirit came in you. He was installed in you. It's the great blessing that we have as, as believers in Jesus. But one of the things the New Testament seems to indicate is simply because the Holy Spirit is in us, doesn't mean we're enjoying the full capacity of his, uh, of his work and his ministry in our life. And so in this particular situation, Paul comes to uh, Ephesus. 
where Apollos, who was a, uh, a Jew out of uh, Alexandria, which is interesting because I was just in Alexandria in April and read that passage. I didn't realize uh, that uh, Apollos had come from that city in Egypt. But uh, he had come from Alexandria up into uh, this area, had come to the Lord, and had uh, ministered. It, it said he knew Jesus well. He, he knew everything about Jesus. And so he brought some disciples together who put their faith in Jesus. But there were some things Apollos didn't know. And so when he left, Paul followed him and came to Ephesus, discovered these believers. And immediately Paul, in interacting with them, realized that, you know, uh, these are great people. They love the Lord, but there's something missing in their life. And I think the thing that he was picking up on is that although they were believers in Jesus, uh, they were not living in this kind of uh, full capacity of the spirit where they were following and seeking the spirit. And so Paul explains to them not only uh, was that not only were they missing that, but they had also not been baptized in the name of Jesus. And so Paul says, you know, you guys, you need to do these two things and it's going to help you in your in your life in the Lord. And so they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and then Paul laid hands on them uh, and, and prayed that they would experience the full working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And, and I believe the reason for that, and the reason for any of us to enter into that, is so that we can be led by the Spirit, so that we can follow Him. So the question is, why, why do we not experience that uh, automatically at the point of our salvation, at the point of our conversion, if the Spirit of God is put in us at that point? And uh, I would say that basically there are two conditions for entering into this fuller expression of the Spirit in our life. And uh, that it's, it's a place that a believer has to come to. You met certain conditions to become a believer in Jesus. That is, repentance of your sin and faith in Jesus to forgive you. But uh, conditions for the full working of the Spirit in our life are, uh, to me, another two conditions. And one is uh, the condition of... Um, really full surrender if you're going to be led by the spirit then there has to be a point in your life where you say i'm going to take the spirit seriously and the way that he wants to lead me that's the way i'm going to go because i trust him really i trust him more than i trust my own judgments and although i still have my capacity to choose and to understand and to uh, go in directions i want to make sure that i'm always in sync with the spirit of god in my life so to me, that's one condition that we come to that place of, uh, of full surrender where we say, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I like what he's doing in me and I want him to do more. And I'm open to everything that he can do in my life. And so uh, I would encourage you if, you, if you've never had that conversation with Jesus, to have it. Say, Jesus, I want to I give myself fully to what your spirit is, is trying to show me in my life so I can track with him, so I can truly follow him. Because until we make that decision, we'll always be in war against the Spirit in our own will. And it still doesn't mean that's always settled because sometimes the Spirit will lead us in areas that maybe it's difficult or, you know, we need some time to wrestle over it. And I, I find that the Lord doesn't mind us wrestling over issues as long as in the end we vote He wins. But, uh, but He does give us time to, to wrestle through things. And when we find it difficult or we feel like the Lord's leading us in a certain direction by His Spirit, and it's maybe not the direction we want to go, or maybe it's a new arena that he's leading us into, uh, then he gives us that space and time to kind of wrestle through it. But we need to have a heart that says to the Lord, I trust you, <laughs> and I trust you with what you want to do in my life. And so I choose to follow your spirit. I choose to be a, a, a believer.
believer who seeks to track with the Holy Spirit in my life and to be carried by the Spirit. And then the second thing I would say as a characteristic of entering into this is uh, not just to uh, uh, say to the Lord, uh, I want to fully surrender. I, I do want to follow you. That's basically what I mean by full surrender. You're saying to, get to Jesus, I want to follow your Spirit. I want to be sensitive to Him. But the other thing I think, the other reason a lot of believers don't track with the Spirit is that, again, they're not sensitive to the Spirit. And uh, to me, that's the importance of what happened here in this passage is that Paul laid hands on these believers and he said, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come upon them so that they would have a new sensitivity to the Spirit of God in their life. And so I would say that's the second characteristic. If you've never intentionally asked Jesus, uh, Lord, would you, the Spirit who you've put within me, would you release him into my life fully? I think that's what Paul was saying when he asked these believers did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I don't think he's saying, did you receive from the outside into your life the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because he knew that happened. They were believers in Jesus. But he says, since you believed in Jesus, since you received the Holy Spirit into your life, have you received him into every area of your life? Have you received his fullness, the full capacity of his working? And so uh, those two characteristics saying to the Lord, yes, I want to fully follow you. And secondly, uh, Lord, uh, I ask you uh, as, as the great, uh, as the one who, who pours out this great salvation in my life, uh, Jesus, I'm asking you, I'm intentionally asking you, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you release your spirit in me in a new and greater capacity in my life? So those are the two characteristics. Now, in this story, it's interesting after Paul prays for them, and as you look at this, you might say, you know, well, um, what was the effects of that? And uh, uh, it, it was evidenced in a number of ways. Now, obviously, uh, uh, two of the ways that it was evidenced after he prayed for them, it says that two gifts showed up in their life, the gift of tongues and prophecy. But if you read the whole story, there is really a story of a number of things that begin to evidence in their life because they're being led by the Spirit. And uh, if I could uh, maybe... Uh, put those in two categories. Uh, I think the two great evidences of the Spirit in our life when we begin to follow Him, when we begin to follow His lead, are, are these two uh, realities. Uh, power, uh, power to do the works of God, or another way of talking about that are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Basically, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are nothing but the ministry of Jesus being reproduced within us that the Holy Spirit is reproducing the ability to do the kind of ministry that Jesus did, a ministry that is Spirit-directed and Spirit-empowered. So that's one of the characteristics. One of the evidences are, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit or, or the, the Spirit's power in us to do ministry. And the other is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the garden, uh, which is a, a great uh, visual for uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which you read in Galatians 5. The gifts of the Spirit, particularly the gifts I'm going to be sharing a little bit about tonight, uh, are uh, the, the list I'm looking at is in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And, um, and, and then the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, basically, the, the, if, if I can put it this way, if the, if the gifts of the Spirit are the ministry of Jesus... The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit begins to produce in us those things that were in Jesus that were uh, a sign 
of the grace and the power of God's life within him. And so the thing is, is as believers in Jesus, uh, we want to see both of those realities in our life. We want to go after the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit within us to do ministry, and the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit within us, to begin to live the life of holiness, to begin to live a life that reflects Jesus. Um, let me say this, that one of the great, I think, problems in the church today, particularly the American church, is that we have divorced those two realities. Uh, we have some churches that are going after gifts, and they're only going after gifts, and sometimes they begin to use those gifts for self-interest or self-enrichment or self promotion and uh, they're not they're not ministering those gifts in the character of Jesus which is a tragedy because it tends to turn people off or it creates uh, spiritual abuse and uh, so they're functioning in gifts but they're functioning in them with the, the in the wrong way uh, I remember John Wimber used to say it's uh, people don't reject the gifts because of the gifts they reject the gifts because of the way they've been wrapped and uh, many times the church has wrapped them in the wrong wrapping. And, and a lot of times they've wrapped them in the paper of self-interest and self-promotion and self-enrichment. So people look at these gifts and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that if it's going to lead down that path. So you have this one group that's going after gifts. And then the other side, you might have a group that's going after uh, holiness and going after the character of Jesus. And uh, that's important to them. But many times that kind of church becomes this uh, spiritual ghetto where, you know, just a lot of holy people meet together, but they're not touching the world. And uh, to me, the reason we have fruits, the, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit is because the ministry and the character of Jesus need to go together. <laughs> it did in his life, and because it was in his life, it was a great expression that transformed the world. And so we as believers, if we're being led of the Spirit, what we want to say is, Lord, I want, I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want your character. I'm going to go after that. But I'm also going to go after the gifts so that I can minister, so I can bless folks with uh, these spiritual gifts. Now, let me just kind of quickly look at those because uh, we're talking. what we're talking about here are the evidences that begin to show up in our life when we're led of the Spirit. And let me say by evidences, I don't mean that these things show up in our life as proof that we're led of the Spirit. Uh, and evidence is, not, I know a lot of people, when you talk about the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, they think you're talking about being a proof that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the proof that we're filled with the Holy Spirit is that we've asked the Lord to fill us. <laughs> and we begin to walk it out. And as we walk it out, then these things begin to show up in our life. In this particular passage, it showed up in their life immediately, but it doesn't always happen that way. It didn't happen that way in my life. I asked the Lord to, to fill me. I surrendered myself to him. I began to walk it out. And it was after some time that I began to notice things surfacing in my life that I knew I wasn't responsible for, but this was the work of God within me. And as I gave myself to that, I, I, I saw a, a greater and richer variety of both gifts and fruit began, beginning to show up in my life. So... These evidences are important. They're not proof that you're filled, but they're manifestations that begin to show up as you follow the Spirit. You can expect these things. And um, uh, so one section is the are these gifts, and you can look at the passage in 1 Corinthians. But basically the, the gifts there are 
are talking about uh, ways in which we bless and encourage and minister to one another, minister to people around us, whether it's the gift of prophecy or uh, maybe it's the gift of healing, uh, maybe it's the gift of faith and prayer. These are impartations of the Spirit into our life to help us in ministry and to help us in blessing the people around us. And uh, I would encourage you as, you, as you look at that list, to, to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you, what do you want to begin to uh, bring to the surface of my life? Now, let me say this about an evidence. I, I think a lot of times we think, okay, if God is going to, uh, is, if he's going to bring a gift in my life, then uh, it's all up to him. So I just ask, and then he's got to make it happen. But uh, what I find about the gifts, it's, it, it's much more supernaturally natural than just supernatural. <laughs> uh, by that I mean you have a role in playing in this. If you're going to be led of the Spirit, one of the things I would do is intentionally ask the Spirit, what gift do you want to give me? What gift, what, what's the gift mix that works best in me to bless others? And then as you sense uh, maybe a stirring or an interest or a hunger for a particular gift, then begin to go for it. Ask the Lord, Lord, give that to me. Uh, let me. Let me show you how I think the gifts best work. It's in Acts 2, and it's the day of Pentecost. And uh, this is talking about uh, uh, the gift of tongues, but I think it's true of any gift. I, I, I simply bring this passage up because it shows, I think, how a gift works in us. And this is Acts 2, verse 4. It says this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what I want you to see in that is the dynamic of how a gift, a gift works. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began, and this is talking about the gift of tongues, they began to speak as the Spirit enabled them, as He inspired them. If the Holy Spirit... If you sense the Holy Spirit saying to you, you know, I, I'd like for you to move out in the gift of, let's say, healing. Then it's not a matter of us just saying to the Holy Spirit, okay, give me this gift. And we kind of sit around and watch TV all day. Uh, it is a dance between his inspiring us and our doing it. So if you sense that God is saying, I want to I bring healing through your life. At some point, you're going to have to begin to lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. There's a point where you give yourself and believe the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Uh, if, 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 God want, if you sense God wants to give you the word of prophecy, then there's a, some point where you have to kind of listen to the Lord and report to people what you're hearing. Uh, in other words, there's a point of our will that's involved where we choose to get into it, and there's a point of the Holy Spirit's involvement where he inspires us or he brings something into our life. And so to me, the gifts are not something that just kind of is this supernatural download and all, all of a sudden, you know, God's doing these things in us like we're some kind of puppet or robot. But it is a, he, he honors our will. As a matter of fact, he so honors our will that he won't even fill us with his spirit unless we invite him to do so. Uh, that's how much he honors the human will. He's always looking for us to say, okay, I'm going to give myself to this. So one of the things you're going to find as you choose to track with the Spirit and follow the Spirit is that sometimes He'll follow you in the areas of, uh, or He'll lead you into the areas of, of uh, supernatural gifts, whether it's faith or whether it's healing or prophecy or any of these gifts that you see in that 
in that section. And as you do that, as you sense that that um, inspiration, go for it. You know, just go for it. I, you don't have to be, you don't have to dress it up as though it looks real spiritual, you know. Like if you're given a prophetic word, you don't have to kick into the King James English and say, thus saith the Lord, you know. Just say to somebody, look, I'm trying to hear the Lord. This is what I sense. Does this mean anything to you? And let them judge whether it does or not. If they say yes, then you know that God's speaking through you. If they say no, you just say, well, I'm just trying to hear. So, uh, you know, bear with me. I'm just kind of sharing what I, I'm, I'm trying to hear the Lord and report what I'm hearing. And, and basically that's what prophecy is, just hearing the Lord and reporting what you're hearing. So I want to encourage you in that. You know, don't, don't dress the gifts up as these kind of supernatural big things that we have to kind of wait around and, and always kind of judging the gift by what we see on TV. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, but rather, just welcome the Holy Spirit to work in your life, and as He moves you in a certain direction, then give yourself in the way he, He's directing you there. I'd say that's true of the fruit as well. If you look at the, the list of fruits in Galatians 5, uh, there may be some things in there. I, I, I've been reading recently uh, in uh, Romans uh, this whole issue of, um, of you know, Paul keeps talking about joy and peace, joy and peace that are ours in Jesus. And, uh, you know, maybe you look at that list and say, Lord, there's some things there I want to go after. Maybe patience is one of them. And, and realize that this is a supernatural working of God within you. And so you choose into that area, believing that God is going to release a greater expression of this kind of, of uh, life, this kind of holiness in your life uh, as, you, as you choose into that and, and follow the Spirit's lead into these things that he wants to bring you into. So to me, uh, one of the things I, I see uh, for, for you as you're uh, seeking to uh, follow the Spirit is uh, one of the things, uh, the way that's going to be evidenced in your life is through these two wonderful dynamics of the Spirit within us to produce within us both the gifts uh, that represent Jesus' ministry and the fruit that represents his character. And uh, I would encourage you to always go for both. Uh, always go for both. Problems happen when we try to divide those two and either go off one or the other. But always go for both and say, Lord, uh, lead me in these areas and direct me in these areas. So um, I'm going to stop there, Kim. I don't know if you want any time for a couple of questions or not. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time. Believer's baptism? Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've shifted more and more on that. I kind of grew up Methodist, and, uh, you know, uh, I was baptized as an infant. But, but I do believe there, there's an importance in a person uh, publicly stating their faith in the Lord to be baptized. But my, my, my position on that, if a person was baptized as an infant and feels comfortable in that baptism... I'm fine with that. I don't think it's a have-to kind of thing. You know. But I do believe, believe believer's baptism is a, a significant time and a really a great time, a point of grace in which God can minister in your life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, the gifts are like a, like a toolbox. 
that they're the ones you need are there if you need them in a particular time of ministry. But I would say that as you do ministry, you'll find that certain gifts do seem to show up more often. You're more comfortable maybe with certain gifts than other gifts. So I, I would say that uh, I, I believe they are available to any believer. Uh, it may be you don't function in all of them in your lifetime, but uh, I think we can function in more than we're than we're functioning in, particularly if we learn how to. I think a lot of times the issue is we, we don't understand the gift. We think it's something that God's got to fully download in us, and then suddenly we're functioning in it. But there, there are steps we can take in terms of being led into the gifts, and um, I think as, as folks do that, they can function in more of them. But I do believe you'll find certain gifts probably fit who you are more than others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say treasure hunts are more more word of knowledge than a prophetic word. Word of knowledge is when God gives you some information that you didn't come up with in your own rational mind, but it was kind of some thoughts that kind of came into your mind, and they they give you understanding about a situation or a person that may help them. And so in a treasure hunt, a group prays, and they begin to ask the Lord, give us some direction and instruction about how we're to go out and evangelize. And he kind of get a list of things, and as they follow that through, it leads to a person that they can pray for. And they've been very powerful in terms of, particularly when they find the person and show them the list that God gave them, that those words of knowledge become a real point of uh, encouraging that person, that God's concerned for them, thinking about them, and that this group found them. So, so that's probably more a word of knowledge. Okay, we'll take one more. Hey, Jerry. Yes. Yeah, let me get my ear fixed here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back in April, we did go to Egypt and um, uh, uh, were there for about 10 days. Uh, ministered in Alexandria, then down in the central part of Egypt, El Nino. And um, it was a, one of the most significant trips I've been on. Uh, the, we did it with E3 Partners. I know you all have a missionary in the church, I think, with that organization. Great group of people. Uh, had many nationals on the ground who kind of knew where we should go and shouldn't go, but felt uh, very safe and secure in our movements uh, throughout. Uh, even ended up in Cairo, at the <laughs> uh, in uh, Cairo Square. Uh, by accident, we were kind of driving through, ended up there. But... Uh, Kind of looked like Occupy Wall Street, really. Uh, uh, but uh, I went out to the pyramids. Uh, but we, uh, I would say this, uh, just b- briefly, is that uh, obviously the church is very concerned about where direct, the direction things could go in in terms of uh, Sharia law or the Muslim uh, Brotherhood taking over. Uh, and so they ask us to pray for them and uh, pray that uh, the Lord would uh, guide them through all this. Uh, but one of the things we noticed is there was incredible open heaven over Egypt right now. And it may be just simply the the um, the situation they're in. Everybody's just kind of, you know, kind of nervous about where things are going. Um, there was a team that went in before us about uh, two weeks before us. It was a medical team. And they saw, uh, uh, the, the guy who led our team, he's been in seven or eight times, he says, every time we go in, it, it, it would take about two or three teams to go in to see one person come to Jesus. 
And he said this medical team went in. They were in a village for five days, and they saw 70 people come to the Lord. We were in that village, uh, other two villages. These are rural villages uh, in the central part of Egypt. For two days, we saw 40 people come to the Lord. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And it was, uh, we would go right into their homes. They would, we'd sit down. Of course, we had interpreters and share the gospel. And uh, time after time after time, they would pray and you see their countenance change. So God was really working. Now, these were not Muslims. These were, uh, these were Coptic Christians, which is kind of like uh, the ancient church of Egypt to be kind of like Catholicism or the Orthodox Church. So many of these folks are religious but maybe have never made a decision for the Lord. Uh, some of them have. Some might have very warm faith and knew the Lord, but uh, many didn't. And those were the ones that were responding to the gospel. So we were really pleased with what we saw, uh, able to minister to a group of uh, pastors in, in, uh, up in um, Alexandria. And uh, there's a church, uh, church planning movement going on in Egypt. It's rapidly increasing. So it was a great trip. I'd love to see another team out of the network go in to Egypt, uh, maybe even next year. If you have any interest in that, please let me know because uh, I'm not sure I'll be able to leave that trip. Uh, there may be some other ones on my plate, but uh, I would say that I know things are very volatile in Egypt, but uh, E3 knows how to move through that land, and if there was something that felt like it was really out of hand, they, would do, they wouldn't do it, but uh, had a great time. It was good to be with Cindy on that trip. And, uh, uh, so, any of y'all have an interest in that, let me know. Okay, Kim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lord, we, we do thank you for um, your presence with us. I, I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in this church. Uh, Lord, I do pray uh, that you would uh, pour out your spirit upon these people in the days ahead in a way, Lord, that, uh, that we've never known. I pray that for all the churches in the network. I pray for all the churches in this city. Uh, Lord, how much we need the work of your spirit in our life and how much we desire to track with you uh, through your precious Holy Spirit. So, uh, Lord, I, I ask that uh, you would release a greater expression of your gifts and a greater expression, Lord, of your character in our life through the work of your Holy Spirit. Uh, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of uh, life together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you.